What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. This is our 10th podcast, and this week we're going to be analyzing and predicting the Dern versus Rodriguez card going down this Saturday, October 9, 2021. I'm joined by my co-host, Ozzy. What's going on, my man? Uh, nothing much. Coming off a great uh, UFC fight night to a not-so-great uh, UFC fight night uh here uh in october but uh you know we're we're just going on to till the end of the month where we have uh those two back-to-back uh pay-per-view cards yeah definitely in a pretty rough stretch of ufc fight nights i guess it's all going to be okay like you said with those 267 268 pay-per-views but um you got to question the strategy to stack those cards so heavily and then these cards before it are, are, are consistently weak so um Thank God for betting odds, right? Who the hell would watch these fights if it weren't for bets? Oh, my God. I'm saying Jesus. And uh, last week, uh, the favorites did very well. Only two underdogs won. Uh, Dawkins should have won. But I predicted all 12 fights correctly. So, you know, got to do a little bit of a victory lap there. Um, And do a quick recap of your bet MMA. How much did you profit? Uh, Just uh, over six and a half units on uh, 14 units, uh, you know, outlay. And, uh, you know, I, you know, like we said, uh, the juice on MMA has been, you know, running pretty good uh, lately. I think I've hit on all the underdogs, though, that have won. Um, I did have probably what you described as my worst MMA b- uh, bet ever, uh, betting on Shayna Young. You know, I figured she'd just avoid the clinch, you know, in some way, shape, or form and be able to punch Stephanie Egger, uh and just box her up. Didn't happen, obviously. But other other than that... Uh, you know, Jared Gordon, four-unit bet, came through uh, for the boys. So a bunch of us, uh, much of us that we work with, guys we talk to, were on that. Jamie Malaki uh, came through, uh, you know, came back uh, after that. A little bit of a tough first round. Uh, Douglas Silva, you know, won there. And then obviously we should have got that win with uh, Kyle Dawkins And uh, that Jocko win. And, uh, you know, I described that Cowboy Oliveira line. Way too wide. He should have won. Last 30 seconds, he pissed that uh, fight away. Plus 170. Make that bet uh, every single time. But yeah, six and a half units. Really, really good night uh, overall. Yep, 2.71 units for me. Um, 48% ROI. Ozzy clocked in at 47. So I hope the guy can, you know, improve his game a little bit because I I hate to just keep outdoing him proportionally like this. But, uh, um, you know, he hit the nail on the head with a lot of these spots. Uh, Malarkey and Gordon, great underdogs. Uh, was able to add some more in those live lines. Make sure you're taking advantage of those live lines. Those guys were like three to four to one underdogs after round one. And, um, you know, that should do it for the recap of last week. Um, we're going to get right into this card. A uh, couple fights got canceled. Trezano versus Skelly. Steropoli versus Pickett. Sam Hughes fell out of her fight. And we're down to 10 fights. So this card isn't too great. And uh, just a quick disclaimer. I am, uh, I, I do have like a cough. So, um, I, uh, I apologize if you hear any coughing or, you know, whatnot. I'll be muted my mic as much as I can. But um, we're going to start things off in the lightweight division. We got Steve Garcia as a big favorite, minus 320, taking on Charlie Antiveros. Uh, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this fight because Antiveros isn't really a real fighter, in my opinion. This guy is like role-playing out there. Uh, that's how I would describe it. Um, he's got that that bullshit karate striking style. That's not going to work in the UFC. He's a bad grappler. He doesn't offensively grapple. He's been finished in all seven of his losses. And, I mean, this is dangerous for this guy to be in the UFC. I mean, he's going to get hurt. He's going to get severely injured if he keeps fighting. So Steve Garcia should make easy work of him. He's a big lightweight. He's a pretty solid offensive striker from that southpaw stance. And the dude is just aggressive. So I think Garcia is going to get up in his face, throw strikes, land that left hand, and just swarm him for a finish. And it really wouldn't shock me if Garcia knocked him out in the first 90 seconds or something. So even though Garcia inside the distance is like minus 120, minus 125 now, I still think there could be some value because I just really expect uh, Garcia to just run through this guy without much resistance. So um, what are your thoughts on the legend Charlie Antiveros, Ozzy? Uh, Antiveros, I mean, you know, you look at his fights, he quit, he's quitting a bunch of them. He gets like, you know, hurt in strange ways, uh, you know, um, multiple times. And, you know, I don't think he has too much here for, uh, Steve Garcia. Um, Garcia, I, I was surprised that he got grappled so easily against, uh, Luis, uh, Pena and was just so bewildered on, you know, what to do. Um, but this guy has fought pretty good, uh, competition overall. I thought he was a prospect. 
when he uh, got that Joe Schilling, or uh, not Joe Schilling, Joe Warren fight back in Bellator. Um, but I think he, you know, he can maybe do some stuff here. Um, you know, he's up from 135. You know, he used to fight at 135. Now he's at 155, really gro- growing into his body. But he's a nasty dude. He throws uh, good shots to the body, good knees, good elbows. Um, if you want to see an old school fight of his, um, watch Ki- him versus Ken Moy uh, at Bellator 123. Just an awesome fight, and you see how much of a savage he is. So, I mean, I think it's uh, this is a fight for him to just dominate and finish uh, Charlie, you know, sometime in the first or second round without too much resistance. Hopefully he doesn't get too overconfident because, you know, Charlie is, uh, you know, long, 6'2", 76-inch reach. So maybe he could, you know, put some some heat on a, on a punch or two. But, you know, Garcia's got a rock-solid chin, so I heavily doubt that will happen. Yeah, I think Antivirus can only win by knockout. So uh, the the money line value is is still in the favorite here. I think he's finishing Antivirus cutting more weight down to 155 here. So that can't be good for his chin. Um, the guy's probably going to go to sleep here. That's going to move us on to the next fight in the women's strawweight division. We have a late notice replacement fight. This is the uh, Luby Gonzalez minus 235. Uh, Savannah Gomez Juarez plus 194. I'll let you start this one off. Ozzy, what are you thinking about Juarez coming in here on short notice? Um, so, you know, watch some of her fights, you know, it looks like she, you know, she just like skirts outside of the octagon for the most part, throws straight shots, likes throwing calf kicks. Um, you know, and, and here she's fighting another girl in Loopy who they're more or less the same size. Um, but Silvana's Silvania, am I saying? No, Silvana. Yeah. Silvana's 36, about to be 37 years old. <laughs> he does train at, uh, um, Brandon Moreno's gym. So I don't know what her overall improvements are and like how serious she is. I think I saw a bunch of pictures of her though in the like past few months and for for a while now, maybe even dating back to uh, Moreno's uh, title fight where she's like traveling with them and, you know, training with them. So maybe she's getting better here. But I feel that Godinez, I I think honestly, the line I was looking at it initially when it was diving down below minus 200 and i was interested in godinez but now it's going close to minus 300 i think that that is probably a bit wrong just because godinez doesn't overwhelm you uh at all for the most part she's not overly quick for me you know i think she could probably take this girl down but i don't think she will because just because like Mexico versus Mexico, so they're gonna want to strike. And if they are striking, you know, they, I don't think there's that much that is differentiating them. Although uh, Silvana was used to did used to fight at 125, she's at 115 now. So maybe Godinez will have more of a speed advantage than I'm uh, anticipating. I'll pick Godinez here, but if the line keeps shooting up, goes like well over minus 300, I do think that uh, some value will open up on Silvana's side, but it's a, it's a strange fight for sure. Uh Juarez is actually technically from Argentina. Um so Yeah, but she trains with the Mexican she trains in Mexico. True, true. Right? She's got that she Mexican blood. In- Imagine what uh Aldana and Grasso do to this woman during sparring sessions. I mean uh I feel like Juarez is one of those fighters where like a gym teaches her the basics of offense and then just is like okay let's Let's give you a fight. It's time for you to take a fight. And I'll tell you, though, Godinez, she does train up in Canada. So, you know, there could be some beef there. Bad vibes. Mexicans don't like it when you leave there and don't train down there with them. I'm telling you. I know this. Canadian MMA, you know, terrible, terrible streak they're on. Um, I believe Mike Mallet or whatever the guy's name is will probably turn that that around. But uh, Godinez shouldn't have much trouble here. I mean, Juarez, all I see from her is offensive striking. I don't see any real defense. I don't see much offensive grappling skill from her. So I just think this is going to be a striking fight. And I think Godinez has the better technique and the better experience. I do agree that Godinez is kind of slow though. I mean, I was kind of surprised how slow her punches were rewatching that Jessica Penny fight. But, uh, I think that Hughes was a lot more live than Juarez is. And this line is kind of similar. So I feel like the value is on Godinez here. I'm not interested in Juarez at all. I think the only way she wins is by decision, so you might as well just play her decision line. And uh, I don't think Godinez is going to have much trouble here, so I'm picking Godinez to outstrike her to a decision. Going to move us to the next fight, featherweight division. We have Damon Jackson as the minus 200 favorite, taking on Charles Rosa plus 160. I'm using FanDuel's lines today for some reason. I usually use Bell Online, but I know you have some takes on this fight, so go ahead and and talk about uh, the leech here, Ozzy. 
Yeah, so I mean, you know, Damon Jackson, he his he's fought a lot of really really solid guys in the UFC. He's a big, tall, um, featherweight, 5'11", 73 inch reach. Uh, he so came to that pressure and those body shots that uh, Teporia, you know, put on him, and he showed that his wrestling isn't like top top of the line when uh, he's fighting Bechtik. But coming in here against Charles Rosa, I mean Charles Rosa. Like I, I said uh, uh, back before with the UFC machine with like Impa versus Harris and I mean Charles Rosa is a regional UFC fighter like there like there's no two ways about it you know he beat Justin James split decision Elite. split decision beat Kevin Aguilar in during peak COVID by split who Kevin Aguilar another guy uh, who was they were fighting at like 155 Kevin Aguilar was not training at all you saw how fat he was in that fight and he and his other two fights he got wrestled and i mean jujitsu black belt where like derek if derek minner can beat you in the in minute 10 to 15 there's something wrong something's going wrong somewhere <laughs> in your fight camp um so i think here like what is going to be uh Know, Charles Rose's path to victory like he's gonna have to I guess like kickbox on the outside uses kicks and you know stuff like that but the thing is Damon Jackson the the you know uh slights on his durability are way off like he's only been KO'd or hurt by big hitters like heavy hitters um you know with with strikes um which Charles Rosa is not um you know Charles Rosa has no ability I feel to to get this to the ground I mean not no ability but he's not going to be taking down Damon Jackson because Damon Jackson is getting tired or anything like that if anything I feel Damon Jackson will be able to pressure Charles Rosa push him against the fence take him down if he wants avoid the, you know whatever guillotine I don't even think Charles Rosa has a guillotine he's like a, a triangle armbar guy you know avoid those uh Submissions and put you know strikes on him over the course of three rounds. So I like Damon Jackson, guys. The guy, the people that are saying, ah, oh, you know, he got bulldog choked by Yancey. That fight was like eight years ago. Derek Minner beat Charles Rosa by decision. Okay, thirty twenty seven. 30-27 fight was not close, and Derek Minner is not even that great of an offensive like wrestler. You know, he just goes for submissions, and he was able to clearly control this guy. And I think doesn't Damon Jackson train to train with James Krause too? Right? I think he no. Does. Damon Damon trains at Fortis. Does or one of those guys? I get those guys mixed up sometimes. Anyway, um, Damon, you know, there's the there's the reason this line moves so much. Like I got minus 120, 116, 125, 130, 135, 140. I got all of those. And it's minus 205 now. There's a reason it went that way. Now I'm not saying Charles Rosa cannot win this fight. I guess he can, but I just don't like he's not a better grappler than Damon Jackson, in my opinion, defensively or offensively. He's not a better striker. He doesn't have a gooder power. And his cardio is not that great either. The thing you remember Charles Rosa about most in these last few years is his ability to escape arm triangles. So I'll take Damon Jackson, uh, hopefully by decision. So I'll try to be a little more positive about Rosa just to be objective. Um, I do think he is the the better striker here because the guy's got that weird, you know, kind of karate jaded style, but he makes it work somehow. I mean, I, I don't think the striking style should work, but he does have some success with it. So his path to victory here is just completely avoiding the grappling, keeping the fight standing and outstriking him on the outside. But I mean, he made that Justin James fight incredibly close. Um, got hurt in the third round there and i mean I, I did think he won rounds one and two pretty clearly off james but somehow one of the judges disagreed i mean rose is just an underwhelming fighter and um you know great points about his takedown defense the guy's easy to take down he's very complacent to lay on his back and re-watching that jackson fight uh, against bectic um you just see how much better jackson is on bottom i mean the guy's uh, trying to reverse he's attacking submissions but he also knows how to use those submissions to to scramble up. So he would attack the Kimura, and right when he knew at the right time, he would try to stand up from it. Meanwhile, Charles Rosa will just lay on his back for four or five minutes at a time, uh, attempting some armbar guard submission. That's just not going to work. Um, and if Mursad Bektik wasn't able to get dominant positions for long periods of time on, on Jackson, um, then I don't think Rosa is either. I mean, Bektik was out grappling. Uh, Damon for the, for the majority of that fight, but uh, I, I saw a lot of good things in the grappling from Damon Jackson there, and I think that Jackson gets on top. I think he's just going to 
be the better grappler here. I think he is better at keeping his top position. I think he's a lot more positionally sound. And Charles Rosa fights always go into the grappling. Uh, so I just don't trust Rosa to keep this fight standing and I'll strike Jackson the entire time. Jackson is really aggressive. Um, his coach, uh, Safe side, you knows how to, you know, get in his ear at the right times and tell him to pressure. And, you know, I just don't see uh, Rosa having the volume to win two out of three rounds. He's certainly not knocking Jackson out because, I mean, Taporia was ripping Jackson to the body with headshots. He ate a ton of punches before finally getting knocked out there. So uh, I think Jackson's durability is fine. And I think he's uh, going to win the fight by probably out grappling his way to a decision. Uh, the goes to distance seems pretty safe here. What do you think about that, Ozzy? It's uh, not bad. Yeah. One minus one fifty. Not bad. Not bad. And I'm not saying that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't want to overexpose myself to Damon Jackson. But I mean, capping this under 60% for Jackson, I just don't think was a, like I just didn't understand it. So, so I went in pretty heavily. Um, so, yeah, I think goes distance jackson by decision probably still good um but just the thing and rosa the guys that rosa's been beating are just small guys for featherweight they're like you know five seven you know five eight like jackson's a unit at 145 so i hope he makes 145 all right and i hope his cardio is okay but i think it will be this guy's good man he's underrated and he's younger than uh rosa too rosa's on his way out man yeah i do agree with that and um the goes the distance. I I am leaning towards that, but I just feel like we're gonna have one really deep uh, army and guillotine attempt from Jackson at some point. I know Rose is good sub defense, but I feel like we're gonna have some some deep sub attempts in this fight. So maybe uh, staying away from that. The way uh, that the Bryce move. Mitchell dominated this guy in the mat was shocking. Even if you're you know Bryce Mitchell is really good, it would like Rosa posed no resistance. Yeah, it was like thirty twenty four pretty much. It was cr- you would have got out of some of those things. Come on. Uh, yeah yeah maybe just yeah. like no he just wouldn't even move it was crazy i was very i mean i was all over Bryce that was wasn't that the wasn't that the first fight back from covid i he was probably just reevaluating his know. whole life sitting under Man. the lights but uh speaking speaking of great grappling fights we got one in the next fight heavyweight division alexander romanov minus 600 oh. taking on jared bandera plus 420 yes. and uh i'll start this one off and you know I'm leaning towards the value being on the dog here, honestly. Um, I think that Vendera is going to win the striking. You know, Romanov striking isn't very good outside of that big left body kick that he throws once around. Um, you saw Juan Espino even landed some punches on him. So I'm pretty confident that Vendera is going to win the striking here. The guy pumps out solid volume. You saw him outbox Justin Taffa, eat some big punches of his own. So um, Vendera is going to win the striking. It really all comes down to his takedown defense. Um you know, Romanov's obviously looking to get this fight to the floor. He is a great wrestler, extremely explosive. And Vandera was taken down two times and pretty much dominated on top by uh, Sergei Spivak. So I know it doesn't look good uh, for Vandera here, but, um, you know, Romanov's last fight against Espino, man, I just that left, that left such a bad taste in my mouth. I mean, uh, he wasn't able to control Espino for long periods of time. He, he slowed down really badly in that fight. And I feel like if Vandera can survive that first top position by just, you know, staying safe, laying in half guard, not really doing too much. I think that if he gets this fight in the rounds two and three, I think the, those takedowns are going to be a lot harder for Romanov to get. And I don't know. I just feel like Vandera is live here. I mean, if you bet him at plus 450, when the fight is standing in the striking, it's going to look like a good bet. If the fight gets out of round one, I feel like it's going to look like a good bet. And I just don't rate Romanov finishing that highly in round one here. So if I had to have a concrete opinion on this fight, I would say that Romanov isn't going to finish in round one. That's my my hot take for the fight. So um, I can good. see it. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Romanov, the real Mo- Moldovan monster. You was here in a few weeks back. This guy was to- to- calling Spivak the most. No, this guy, the real Mondo- Mo- Moldovan monster. Um, I agree. Look, I agree. I think that Vandera can pose some resistance here because Romanov, for the takedowns, you just got to think. Heavyweight MMA, what are the takedowns going to look like? And... With the takedowns that uh, I think Romanov will probably get on Vandera early, it's probably going to be some single legs or some trips where Vandera is going to be able to be against the fence, you know, more or less. And, you know, the finish positions that Romanov needs are going to have to be very solidified positions. So the start starts round two or even the over at, at very low juice or plus money is 
is okay, I think. But on the feet, um, if if uh, Romanov's uh, cardio is any better, I don't think that Vander actually poses that much of a threat just because his striking is just super slow. It's like not – even if you say it's like okay volume, it's just like he's not really – throwing a lot of things quickly like that's half a fight those guys were in slow motion overall you know over the course of the fight just you know Tafa just can't move like he's a knockout artist who you know after he gets you know he's a bully like once you you know you you, you uh stand up to him uh, a, a bit and he loses a little bit of that juice on his punches you know he's a walking corpse and Vendera was able to to dominate him uh and I think that uh Tafa had some issues getting here from Australia. He got here on like Wednesday and stuff, but I was on Vandera in that fight and I thought that he looked good, but you know, he was just slow overall. So I think Romanov, he moves uh, just way too good for Vandera, uh, you know, to, to, to win early on. But you know, if, if Vandera is able to tire him out, maybe hold the clinch, you know, and, and keep himself up and not go down immediately, then I think he could be live later in the fight. But I do think uh, maybe the fight going a little bit longer is uh, the, the way to go. And one last thing I'll say is I'm leaning towards Romanov winning by knockout over submission because in the Spivak fight, um, uh, Vander was just eating ground and pound and he could have rolled over, given up his back, given up the rear naked choke, but this stubborn motherfucker just laid there eating ground and pound until he got knocked out. So I feel like he's not the type of guy to roll over and quit and give up a submission. He's not going to tap to a forearm choke or anything like that. So uh, Romanov knockout is, is the the pick. R knockout round two, I'll say, is the pick. And that's going to bring us to an interesting matchup in the Bantamweight division. Uh, we got Chris Gutierrez, <laughs> minus 265. Felipe Kolarish, plus 210. Uh, you can start this one off, Ozzy. What are you thinking about this matchup? Interesting fight. Uh, Gutierrez, probably, you know, top five calf kicker in the game overall. Has not fought many guys who... Uh, were just you know had that grappling element i guess recently you know since uh the barcelos fight which is actually a long time ago now three years ago almost um he's had a bunch of weird fights in the ufc and you know i think i'll say i was talking to the martian before and i think that Colares is very ripe for gutierrez to spinning hook kick him in the head and just get a walk-off knockout but if that does not happen um, you know, he, 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 he does succumb to pressure a little bit. You know, he backs up. I think the, the, obviously the, the Freitas fight is probably the best parallel, you know, to this here because, uh, they have a little bit of a, you know, him and Kolaris have a little bit of the same frame overall. Extremely similar. Style. Yeah. Very similar guys. Um, you know, Kolaris has taken a stupid amount of damage in his career, but the, the thing here is that, uh. Gutierrez doesn't really have strong punches. Like he went to a decision with Ryan McDonald for God's sakes. And, um, right. So, you know, I don't think that, uh, Gutierrez is going to be able to hurt him with hands. So it's going to have to be, you know, a head kick, a spinning hook kick, something like that. So I see the angle on Kolaris. Um, you know, I don't think he's ever been knocked out. I don't think has he got knocked out. No, not, never been knocked out. But I mean, the guy gets hit with every punch known like that you throw, like Luke Sanders could not, he's like a Bob dummy. Luke Sanders could not miss. He doesn't move his head when he throws punches when he and he doesn't see punches coming back his way. But I think decent matchup for him here. I don't trust the like I've been saying this. I'll keep hammering it. I do not trust the ground game of these factory X guys. They're just not good on the ground. Um, he he his last fight was I mean he's fought at 135 most of his career. So you know last few fights have been going up and down a little bit. But I see the angle on Kolaris. I guess he could get this to the ground. But even if he does get it to the ground, my issue is he doesn't really have that much of a submission. Like his submission game isn't that great. Um, his defensive grappling isn't that great. You saw, like, Defreitas, uh, you know, pose him some issues. Montel, you know, Pilarde even had his back, if I remember correctly. I, or I'm not remembering. Yeah, he did. he did. He did. Yeah, so, you know, but Gutierrez is just super safe on the ground. So I would probably side with a, a Kalara's decision bet here, which is, like, plus 425, I think, um, as as the best way to approach this fight. Um, because I, I, I just think if, if, if uh, Gutierrez is on the ground, he's just going to go full shell and not do much. Yeah, it's good you mentioned the Pilarte fight just now because I think that's really relevant. I mean, we know Pilarte has terrible defensive grappling. He's a terrible off his back. Brian Kelleher just 30-24'd him in the grappling. And Kolaris, you know, scraped by that decision, really didn't make an easy work of that fight at all. So I feel like if he had trouble taking down and controlling Pilarte, it's going to be a really tough task for him to, to take down Gutierrez because 
we have seen Gutierrez showing a lot of grappling susceptibility, uh, the Durden fight, the DeFreitas fight, the Barcelos fight. But I, I just think that the striking differential for these guys is so wide in favor of Gutierrez that uh, it's just not going to really be working out for Kolaris here. Like you mentioned, Kolaris has no defense. I mean, he's just a magnet for punches. He's going to be getting his legs lit up with with kicks. He's going to be getting jabbed. And, you know, Kolaris is just going to have to to bull rush his way into the clinch, try to attempt some takedowns. And if he doesn't get them, I mean, he's just going to get beat up at distance the entire fight. So I'm not in love with, with Gutierrez's money line here. Uh, you know, it's kind of a question whether you want to plug Gutierrez knockout or not. It's plus 380. I think that's if it was plus 480, you know, I feel like it would be worth a bet right where it's at. I mean, I think it still could be worth a small stab because I just expect Gutierrez to be landing at will here. And if maybe Gutierrez has improved his footwork, his his takedown defense a little bit and can keep this fight at range. I see it being difficult for Kolaris to stay at range for the full 15 minutes with all the damage he's going to be eating to his legs, his head, um, you know, the, the body kicks, the spinning back kicks. Uh, Gutierrez is a really fun striker to watch. So I hope uh, Gutierrez wins. I like watching him fight and uh, I'll be picking him to win here uh, by decision. Um, next fight is going to be in the middleweight division, I believe. I got to get the tapology back up. Yep, middleweight yeah. division. We got Phil Hawes as the minus... 340 favorite coming back Duran win plus 260 I'll start this one off and uh I like my man Duran win here I think that Phil Hawes minus 340 is is pretty crazy honestly um I think to to realize why he's minus 340 here I think it really heavily relies on his recent win streak um he melted the guy in the contender series and Malcoon early and then he had two kind of you know lackluster decision wins over Imavov and Dachaus um, I, I thought that he definitely improved his cardio versus Doc House. That was probably his best performance to date, but he still didn't really, you know, blow me away in that fight. And, um, you know, Hawes likes to wrestle in, in pretty much all of his fights, but he's facing a fellow good wrestler here, Deron Wynn. I don't think it's going to be easy for, for Hawes to hit takedowns and keep top on Wynn here. And I just think the wrestling exchanges are going to be close. Neither guy has a real top game that they can keep opponents down for long periods of time with. And I don't think either guy has a, a super big striking advantage on one another either here. I think that Hawes probably has, the, or definitely has the more power of the two. He's a much bigger guy, but uh, when can pump out striking volume, like he did in the, the Eric spicy fight, he can wing some punches and put together a high volume striking rounds. So I just think that Win's going to keep this fight close in the striking. I don't think the wrestling exchanges are going to be super one-sided. So I like win uh, for, you know, a half unit bet here, uh, not confident in the guy to get the win or anything like that, but I just think he's going to be the value side. He's going to make this fight a lot closer than plus 260. So I like win for a small bet here. Um, and the goes to distance being plus money here, I think is kind of confusing. I mean, I don't see a whole lot of finishes on either side here. I guess Hall's knockout is the most common finish. Um, but when when is durable and uh, he can always, you know, shoot for a takedown if he's getting hurt with punches. So I kind of lean the, the goes the distance being probably the best bet here, probably even better than win money line. It's plus 124. Um, so what do you think about those uh, those takes I had, Ozzy? And I think that, you know, win thing is people are touting wins, you know, wrestling pedigree. But I mean, I don't I just don't think that he's taking down Phil Hawes. Like, I, I mean, maybe he will. He's not going to hold down Phil Hawes. This is the thing with wrestling that people don't, I'm not saying people don't understand, but the wrestling that Wynn does doesn't hold people down, right? And wrestling is not jujitsu. In wrestling, you know, you take a guy down, he gets back up, and you got to take him down again. And that's how all of Wynn's fights look, right? He keeps, he'll take the guy down, and a guy will get back up, and he'll take him down again, and a guy will get back up, you know. So, you know, Hawes knows how to grapple. He's a brown belt in jujitsu, he has a wrestling background. He's agile as a cat. I mean, you saw that fight against Malcoon, how he came out there, you know, just stalking that guy. It was like a freaking <laughs> panther. It was like a panther stalking his prey. That, that, that was a scary fight, man. And I think that Sky Hall... All, all 18 seconds it lasted. All 18 seconds. That thing was scary, man. I just think Hall is built different. He's got two wins over guys that I, that I rank uh, in my power rankings as, you know, top 15-ish guys. Deron win is certainly not that. Um, I know he's plus 260, but the thing is, you know, you see him against uh, Antonio Arroyo. You see him against Spice Boy. You see him against all the, the fights that he had. He's just walking forward. You know, he's got no uh, no um, 
respect for what what's coming back at him. Back foot Arroyo, you know, is just moving back, uh, you know, and do, not doing anything. Phil Halls is not is not going to be backing up from this guy. So you know, I think it's going to be something where Win is just going to be getting butchered uh, while they're at range, and he's going to have to be uh, clinching with Halls. And I think what's going to happen is Halls either hurts him while he's coming in. Or hurts them on the break from a clinch and then just finishes him. I mean, when you know he got popped for like doing meth, he does. He hasn't made in his last three fights. I think he's uh, missed weight and and he missed weight once. The other fight was at 195, so you don't even know if he's gonna make 185, or, or you don't know his cardio is at um you know at, at 185, right? That spicy fight was ridiculous. Like if he takes the punches that spicy was hitting with him, hitting him with, there's no way he makes it, you know, past the second round against Hawes. I just don't see it happening. So wouldn't be surprised that seeing a uh, Hawes take when people are is acting like Win can't be taken down. Like when uh Win's been taken down before. I mean, you know, Mershart got on top of this guy and flattened him out and, and choked him out. So, you know, Hawes could definitely do that. Um, so I don't like uh Win, I guess. Like if you want to bet him at plus 260, I don't think that's bad. It's a bad value. Um, and you know, I guess the over if you think Win, I don't think Win's taking these punches, man. He just has no defense, he doesn't move his head, he's tiny, he like he doesn't respect guys, and I think he's in for rude awakening when he looks across and sees uh blonde phil hawes coming at him i got a few few counterpoints so you know hawes's cardio was a huge question before that dock house fight that's probably why he was the underdog there uh the you know everyone was was really accepting that he had terrible cardio and then it seemed like he did an improvement that fight but i'm not ready to completely write off the cardio problems for hall hawes um just because he had one good fight um and the guy doesn't land a whole lot of distant strikes i mean even in the fight where he landed the most strikes of his ufc career he only landed uh 33 distant strikes against stockhouse and rewatching that fight this week I, I didn't even think it was that many um and the way he got hurt by Dockhouse there with that like spinning back fist, I, I feel like this guy could be chinny. And I feel like uh, Deron Wynn putting some hands on him and, and touching the chin is not out of the question. So no, uh, definitely not. No, that and, is and, definitely not out of the question. No. You mean it? You mean it is out of the question? No, 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 no. I'm no. saying like the thing is like Wynn just you know he just bites down. Like I'm saying like these guys could slug it out. He's a juggernaut. I just yeah. don't. I just don't see Wynn winning this fight by. Trying to take and fill Hawes down and hold him down. It's not happening. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't think so either. I don't think he's gonna win via out wrestling, but I think, like I said, all the exchanges are gonna be close here. And that that meth claim, you know, like I said, I'm sick right now. I'm taking a lot of pseudoephedrine, you know, the stuff that they they use to make meth. Um, and I probably would test positive for amphetamines too. And I don't do meth, so don't don't be talking shit about my boy Deron Win. He's just getting that good Adderall. Um, and then was going speaking, life and death with Spice Boy, man. That was a bad look. Hey, spicy, spicy's cool. I like him. Um, but eating a hundred punches from him is not good. Speaking of methods, we actually do have a certified method in the next fight. Um, <laughs> women, women's flyweight division: Sabina Mazzo minus one seventy six. Uh, Maria Agapova plus one forty two. Agapova coming back from that embarrassing loss as the biggest. Uh, I think it's the biggest underdog in UFC history uh, with uh, Shayna Dobson winning that fight. So uh, I'll let you start this one off. What are you thinking about this? Uh, this high level affair uh well you know mazo is back down here at 125 which 135 i guess didn't go great for her when she was getting calf kicked by uh by alexis davis but you know i just you know i i was higher a little bit higher on mazo i thought that she was like a great bet versus quiche and she just looked terrible in that fight um and agapova's all gas no breaks like you know she might take meth before she fights like or, or, or some kind of amphetamine. Um, and, you know, she, she's not able to pace herself that well. But she has some skills. You know, she she has a big left kick. Um, she has, like, a decent left straight. She'll, she'll uh, punch into the clinch. And she has some decent grappling. So, in actuality, I think skill-wise, these girls match up pretty closely to each other. So, this line blowing out towards Mazo little strange to me just because they have the same fight experience i think mazo mazo has a little bit of a reach advantage on her and just maybe like just a little bit bigger but i think skill wise they're, they're about equal mazo has a better uh training camp because god knows where agapova is training at but it's been a year since we saw agapova against uh dobson uh mazo to me all her fights she's looked exactly the same like has not really improved to me in any of her fights like from the morose fight to that last alexis davis fight 
not seeing that much improvement from her from her she has like a good high kick and then you know she'll she'll just peck at you and peck at you with a jab and a straight cross after it but at 125 i don't think she's she's great i think you know she slows down a little bit um i don't think that uh you know i think that 135 is actually the best way it would will be the best weight class for her uh, in the future um and i don't think that she's gonna be able to get her grappling going here against agapova very much um, so, and I think that she'll probably be a better live bet opportunity just because Agapova does not know you saw from the Dobson fight how to pace herself at all. So I think there's a little value here on the Agapova side. Hard to trust the girl. She looks out of her mind, but I like, you know, crazy women or kind of women that, you know, you want to bet in this MMA thing. That's why I rode Murphy's, uh, you know, crazy ass to, to a title shot. So I think I probably will sprinkle something on Agapova. I think that she'll be able to land that left hand, be more aggressive than Mazo and land better earlier, but we'll be ready to jump shift on the uh, live line. All right. So uh, this is a statistic. I got to bring it up. I feel like it's extremely relevant. I know you love statistics. Uh, and this uh, basically, I think, proves that Sabina Mazo is uh, the best striker in the UFC right now. Uh, Sabina Mazo averages 21.3 significant er, strike attempts per minute at distance. So at distance, she's throwing out basically one strike per three seconds. Uh, extremely relevant, you know. Stud. And uh, I, I do agree, yes, though. Sabina Diaz. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I do agree. Agapova is, I mean, plus 157. It's really a question of what, what Agapova is going to do. Is she going to come out uh, stupid aggressive like she did in her past few fights, even though it's the reason why she lost the Dobson fight? Is she going to continue to do that? Or is she going to you know calm down a little bit, try to pace herself? Um, and it's it's an interesting question. I think that's the biggest question about this fight. Um, and I think if Agapova comes out fully aggressive, I think that she will you know look like a live dog. She probably will be uh, a pick or maybe a favorite in the live lines. But then she's going to slow down again if she can't get Mazo out of there. And Mazo is, uh, I think, a tougher opponent than, you know, the women that Agapova have got out of there, the Contender Series woman, Cyphers, uh, Dobson. I think Mazo is better than all of them. So, uh, and I don't think that Agapova is just going to be able to easily outstrike Mazo like she has some of her other opponents. Um, but it's a shame because Agapova does have some speed. She definitely knows uh, some good technique, but she just gets so wild and aggressive that she ends up overextending and flailing herself all around. And, um, you know, the the grappling is interesting in this fight, too. Agapova did get some takedowns in top time versus uh, Sheena Dobson. And Mazo is a really bad grappler. She Once she gets put on her back, she can get stuck there for long periods of time. So um, it's going to be interesting to see Agapova's approach to this fight. Is she going to incorporate grappling? Is she going to calm down from that, that aggressive style? Um, so with all the questions, I, I can't be laying minus 180, minus 170 on Mazo. She's probably going to be a better live bet, honestly. And uh, maybe sprinkle some of those Mazo round two, round three knockout props because if Agapova slows down like she did, um, there's a good chance that Mazo just outstrikes her badly in those later rounds and gets a finish. Um, so I'll, I'll lean Mazo as a pick, but uh, Agapova at plus 157, probably the side to be on in terms of pre-fight bets. Um, any other thoughts there, Ozzy? No, not really. Just that Mazo has not really justified her price in any fight that she's been in other than the uh, Shana Dobson fight. So, Yeah, uh, I had one unit, on, one unit on Justine Kish decision plus 600. That was an extremely painful bet. You know what I mean? Like, look back at it. Just has not, in none of her fights, has she really justified the price. Yep, and um, that's going to move us along to, I think, probably... The most fun fight on the card, flyweight division. Uh, we got Mateus Nikolaou as the minus 210 favorite. Tim Elliott plus 168. I'll let you start this one off, Ozzy. Fun flyweight fight. What are your thoughts on this yeah. one? Yeah, so, I was, you know, looking back at that, um, at, at the uh, Kate Cop versus Nikolaou fight, which was a really good fight, but I think it showed to me you know, some holes that I didn't think were there on the Nikolaou side as much. You know, I think he's he's just a dynamo in the first round in whichever way he wants to approach a fight. Whether it be if he wants to grapple, you know, for that first round or he wants to strike. I think he's just really clean. He's pretty powerful overall. But, you know, I think he significantly slows down overall. Just like he becomes a lot less tight with his game overall. Um, and, and he's like a little bit in between. Uh, if you know what I mean, like he doesn't know 
what what he wants to do from there all the time uh and i think it, it shows because he has he does have a a few first round finishes and stuff but you know i think the way he matches up here with elliot is you know you would think okay um you know does he have a striking advantage over elliot maybe but the thing is, Elliot throws a lot more volume out there. You know, Nikolaou is much more disciplined in his stance. And I like the his shot selection a lot better than Tim Elliott, which I think is a given. Everybody knows Tim Elliott's a wild man. So, um, you know, Nikolaou does throw, you know, a decent jab. He has some 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 good follow-up shots. He, he uh, exits the pocket pretty well, and he has some good kicks. And then his wrestling is not bad. You know, I think that he has some good finishes, especially on a lot of his takedowns. And then he has a pretty good sub submission game, um, which is why I think him by submission here at, like, plus 500 is a prop that I think I will have a little bit on. But in terms of the money line side, I do like elliot here just because i think that his top control is pretty good um overall i think that he can get nicolau to the ground i think if he gets the clinch here on nicolau he'll be able to hit some trips here i think nicolau um once you do get grappling a little bit you know further in into the fight his he starts slowing down like his agility uh you know it takes a little bit of a hit and and um you know, and I think maybe the weight cut, I do think that he's a big 125 here. Um, but, you know, I think it is, you know, the people that did get in on Nicolau early on, you know, maybe that minus 150, I guess, 160 range. You know, I could see why you would want to do that. But at minus 200, I think it's way too big of a price for me to lay, uh, considering Elliott's proficiency in the in the takedowns, uh, his volume and his conditioning uh, approach, you know, and that that he can mix that all together into a really, uh, three, uh, really good three-round approach here. And, and with the fight favored to go the distance as well, um, you know, it makes me think that there is value here on that plus 170 price on uh, Elliott. Just um, him, you know, if he get, does get uh Nicolau to the ground I do think that he'll be able to stick him down uh you know and and Nicolau won't won't try to get up too much but the transitions and that's why I said the the submission prop the transitions on Nicolau if he is on the offensive side or if they're just scrambling I do think Elliot puts his head in danger way too much and a choke here is very very live but the guy's super tough so he'll have to go unconscious or minute, so he'll have to be very tight but I do think that I'll probably I lean towards a money line play on Elliot, and then maybe a little bit of a hedge with that Nicolau uh, by submission. Yeah, I'm going to be on uh, Elliot's money line here too as well, and just kind of looking at the maybe how we'll fight and submission either side, plus 320 for like sub on either side. I think there is going to be a lot of grappling in this fight. Um, and you brought up a great point about Nicolau slowing down. I mean, if you look at his past two decisions, um, he won round one of those fights pretty clearly against Efrahin and against uh, uh, Cape. But then round two and round three got a lot closer. He got taken down in rounds two and three by Efrahin. And when he got put on bottom, he was he was attacking leg locks and he was didn't look like that proficient in them. Um, and, you know, he got taken down to the end of round three versus Efrahin and just kind of laid there for the last 30 seconds. And. I just think that Elliot's going to make this fight dirty. He's going to make it scrappy. Um, Elliot's a lot more comfortable, I think, in the grappling scrambles. Uh, you know, all of his fights involve grappling. He's always in bad positions, flopping all around. And I think that type of chaotic fight favors Elliot, especially the pace. Um, Elliot, known for having really good cardio. Uh, only fight where he's really slowed down was the Roy Vall fight. But the guy is pretty known for being able to grapple hard for three rounds. So rounds two and three, I think, kind of favor Elliot here. Uh, I also agree with your points about the striking. Nikolai a lot more disciplined and like traditional in his striking. Definitely has more power. But uh, if this fight is, you know, Nikolai's typical low volume striking style, landing a big punch once a minute or something, and meanwhile Elliot's throwing five leg kicks a minute, pumping out ten jabs. Um, I think the striking exchanges are going to be close in terms of the judges' eyes here, and I, I just trust the, the volume the output and, and the better grappling skill uh, from Elliot here. And I think he's going to be a real live dog to win the decision here. I'm probably going to end up with about one, maybe 1.25 units on Elliot's money line. Uh, it might be more, honestly, depending on if the price keeps going up. Um, but for Nikolau, a guy who he, he's proven low volume in the striking, he does not throw a whole lot of strikes. I don't think he has a definitive grappling advantage here, and his cardio is susceptible. I, I think it's kind of crazy that he's minus 210 right now, and I also think that um, 
you know, Nicolau, a lot of people thought he lost the Cape fight, losing rounds two and three, that big knee at the end of the fight for Cape. A lot of people thought that swung the rounds. If the judges give that fight to Cape, what what is this line looking at? Maybe it's Nicolau minus 160, minus 170. I think it would Very be a lot. True. Yeah, so I don't understand Nicolau over two to one here. I think the market is always, always underrating Tim Elliott. I mean, he was evens versus Espinosa, and he he dominated every second of that fight. And he was underdog to Sumadarji a few months ago. I was I was betting him in that fight. Unfortunately, that got canceled. Um, so I like Timothy Elliott here. You know, he's a madman. He's gonna fight for your money. I like him plus one seventy for a bet. And that, that's gonna take us to the co-main event of the evening. Uh, it's actually the afternoon. This fight, this card starts pretty early. You know that Aussie first fight one thirty p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. Um, co-main event uh randy rude boy brown minus 230 uh jared best fight picks gordon plus 185 um i'll let you start this one off i think i did the last one randy brown randy brown's my boy obviously he's from new york city um you know he's queens been, too right maybe uh queen queens brooklyn you know he, he i think he skirts the line there um <laughs> You know, right, 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 right about there. But you know, it's all it's all a big blob. You know, Queens and Queens and Brooklyn, like this should just be one borough. But uh, you know, Randy, you know, he's been a I think a really good prospect for a while. You know, I think he he's been groomed pretty well overall. You know, he had that fight against uh, Vincente Luque, which you know, if you go back and watch it, is not as big of a blowout as uh, I think people might might have made it out to to be. You know, he was definitely in that fight. He was trying. I think he was coming back in that second round until he got turned off uh, there at the end. Um, and then he showed his sub game in his last two wins, which I thought were were two great wins uh, over uh, two Brazilians there. So I, I mean, you know, I love Randy Brown. You know, I think here, oh, um, it, it's an interesting fight because Gooden is such a power striker. You know, he has good power in his shots. I do think he has pretty good timing as well. I was, you know, we were talking about this fight. I think this might have been our first or second podcast when he took on Solzy. And uh, I told you, I'm like, hey, man, like, there's no way you could be on Solzy at chalk here. And I do think that Jared Gordon could potentially take this guy down. And, you know, he did take him down. And then he, you know, turned him off with a punch. Um, I thought that his timing was pretty good there. I think he countered uh, a kick or two of Solzy's pretty well. So I think the 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 thought process here is Randy's chin has been a little bit, eh, more, you know, more or less in the UFC. He has been susceptible to kicks, which I don't know if I've seen too many of Jared Gordon. Jared Gordon do throw many of those. Their reach here is going to be pretty equal. But I do think that Randy Brown eventually can get this fight closer into the clinch. Will be able to land some good knees on um, on Gooden. Um, Gooden is pretty tough, uh, so I think it's going to be hard to get him out of there. I do think he has a uh, decent cardio, but he hasn't been out of the first, he hasn't won too many fights uh, by decision. If I if I if i have that correct gooden um, no yeah, very gooden, few yeah, gooden's won very few by decision um and and i and i think that he does he'll slow down yeah he's four and five in decisions i mean i do think that he slows down and i think that randy brown has a big advantage on the ground if it gets there because gooden his he'll get up but i i think that um you know he gives up his back and randy brown he's stronger than he looks uh especially in the grappling realm he's pretty good in the grappling and i've heard this from a few different people he's pretty good when it comes to the grappling and he's pretty opportunistic so i like randy brown here i like that his money line price is coming in a little bit but i i am careful because of the chin issues that i've seen in the past and the fact that jared gooden definitely hits really really hard yeah i like uh brown here i think you know not really considering betting him but i do think he covers minus 230 without much with without much trouble. And I just feel like um, Jared Gordon's or Gooden is kind of always knockout over money line. I mean, his knockout is plus 460 here and his money lines under plus 200. I mean, he, he certainly isn't submitting Randy Brown. We can, we can pretty much rule that out officially. And I don't think the guy has good enough striking volume or cardio to win two out of three rounds. So I don't see any way that Gooden wins the fight besides knockout. But even that, I think, is is pretty low percentage. I mean, you saw uh, Abu Bakar, you know, jabbing him up. You saw Alan Joban outstriking him pretty badly, especially as the fight went. I'm pretty sure Joban beat him up real bad in round three there. And Joban retired right after that fight at the age of like 39 or something. Um, so I, I don't think either of those wins are very ins- or losses are very inspiring for this matchup. And Randy Brown, I mean, coming off that Oliveira finish, that right hand that he landed on Oliveira was 
honestly one of the biggest punches of the 2021 in the UFC, honestly. I mean, that was uh, such a thunderous punch. And, um, you know, it's it, it's impressive. Right? You see Nico Price, a fellow uh, pretty hard hitter, not able to hurt uh, Oliveira like that. But Randy Brown sat him down easily. And the way he, he took the back and got that one-arm choke, I mean, the guy is a good finisher. Uh, you saw that in the Wally Alves fight, too. He knew he was hurt. He swarmed him and got the finish. Um, and I, I like Randy Brown. You know, I, I agree with you. He's a fun fighter. I think he's going to win the striking, uh, I'd say, marginally here. I mean, I think Gooden will keep it close by just uh, landing the occasional uh, big punch. Um, but I think that uh, the Brown should be pretty safe to cover his price here. I think that he can take down and outgrapple Gooden if he wants to. Uh, Gooden got outgrappled. Um he got put on bottom by uh, Abu Bakar, Joe Ban, uh, Mike Graves outgrappled him. And we've also seen Gooden get get kind of chinned and knocked out. Uh, Bruno Oliveira put him to sleep. And I just don't think the guy's defense is that great. Uh, I don't agree with – I think his shot selection isn't bad. I agree with that. But I don't think he's that fast. I was actually kind of uh, unimpressed with the speed of those shots that, that, that sent Stolze out. Um, so – if you like Gooden here, just take him by knockout. Uh, Brown, I think, has a lot more potential to, to finish in submission uh, knockout decision. I think he can win in all three ways. So money line value is all over uh, Brown here, even at minus right, two thirty. You're right. I think I, I think I should back my boy. The thing is, I, I just want Brown to, you know, I think he's been getting a little kick happy and Gooden. I think Gooden could counter this guy's kicks, so I hope he doesn't throw too many of those. But I like Randy Brown. I think Randy Brown should be able to. Randy Brown's pretty cerebral. He should be able to pick. Uh, Gordon apart a little bit. Yeah, and I, this fight should probably finish too. I mean, I, with Brown being like a multi-level finish threat on the feet and on the ground, um, and with the way Gooden slows down, with the way he's susceptible off his back, I, I feel like we should get a round two, round three finish from uh, from Brown here. So, um, the inside the distance uh, could be value too. It's minus one fifty on five dimes if anybody has access to that. Um, not a bad co-main event, though. Um, that's going to move us on to the main event, uh, a women's fight in the women's strawweight division. We have Mackenzie Dern, minus 170, Marina Rodriguez, plus 138. And, you know, next week's women's main event, extremely weak. But honestly, I think both these women deserve it uh, to be in the main event here. Dern obviously been working her way up the ladder. I think she's, what, 5-1, and 6-1 and one in the UFC, a lot of finishes. Uh, Marina is a pretty entertaining fighter, uh, got her first main event fight in their last fight against Waterson, even though it was short notice. So I agree with this fight being a main event. I don't see it going the full five rounds. I don't see it going past round three, but I still think that these women like deserve the spotlight. So that's my, my take on that before I get into the matchup. But um, it is a pretty simple striker versus grappler matchup. You know, uh, Dern is, is great on top. Uh, some of the best female jujitsu and MMA, probably the best, honestly. Um, but her wrestling it is not very good. She does struggle uh, getting the fight down to the floor consistently. Doesn't have like a go-to takedown. And if you look at her her stats throughout her UFC career, um, she's only landed like I think three takedowns on her opponents. Um, like the Jane Dradoba fight, the Marcos fight. She never actually landed takedowns on either of them, I don't think. Um, yeah, she didn't land takedowns on either of them, despite uh, submitting her. Same with Cyphers, did not take her down. Um, so she's actually hit two takedowns in her entire UFC career. That's not exactly inspiring. Um, but with the way that Marina Rodriguez defends grappling, I just can't put any confidence in her here. Because when opponents try to shoot upper body takedowns on her, she is pretty good at stuffing those takedowns. She's coming from that Muay Thai background. She knows her way around the clinch. She knows how to dig under hooks. She can fire some knees and elbows in the clinch to prevent her opponents from getting her down. But when her opponents shoot on her lower level or her legs, shooting single legs, double legs, she goes down pretty easily. And I think that uh, Dern hit a nice single leg takedown on Nina Ansaroff in her last fight. And I think that she's going to be looking to do that again here. Um, Dern really needs to focus on avoiding those upper body takedowns. She can't go for that body lock trip. She's going to have trouble getting her down. But if she comes in with the right game plan to attack those leg attacks, like you like to say, Ozzy, I think she's going to get Rodriguez down. And watching Rodriguez off her back, I mean, I was... I knew she was bad, but rewatching her, she's even worse than I thought, guys. I mean, she has has no idea what she's doing down there. She goes full guard. She goes that body triangle. She's holding her opponent. She, Her hips just don't move in the right way. You know, like 
you learn really we early. look at hips too if you look at her hips she's like a freaking rectangle if you look at her yeah really <laughs> that long legs that really weird frame i mean your first few jujitsu classes you learn how to you know scoot out on your hip you learn how to hip escape you you practice those drills i don't think marina has ever hip escape that she she's not doing she skips the shrimps uh in the beginning of the the jujitsu class if you guys know what that means but um so I just think that once Dern gets on top of her, uh, Marina has virtually no chance to get up. And I think that Dern's just going to slice through her guard like butter, and mount her, submit her, rear naked choke, arm bar, arm triangle. I think that there's tons of possibilities for Dern to submit her with here. And, you know, there's no mistaking that Rodriguez is going to win the striking here, right, guys? Like, when they're in, at distance, when they're in exchanges, Rodriguez is going to be getting the better of them. But I tweeted this out earlier, and I call it a safety net. Dern can can retreat. She can not engage. She can maybe pull guard. She can, she can stay safe at distance, right? She's not going to be in constant danger of getting knocked out. While... Once Rodriguez gets on the mat, she has no safety net. She has no, she can't hold her in guard. She can't defend submissions. She's going to be in deep, deep trouble at all times when she's on the mat. So I just can't, can't pick uh, Rodriguez here. Can't put any faith in her. Uh, her takedown defense is bad. She's terrible off her back. And I just don't trust her enough to keep this fight standing. So I'm going with the grappler. Uh, even though she doesn't have the greatest wrestling, I think she's getting the fight to the floor and she's going to submit uh, her here in probably round two or three. I'm going to go with uh, might happen as early as round one, uh, but I'll go with a Dern submission round two pick here. So what are you thinking about this uh, matchup, Ozzy? Yeah, you know, I, I, I like McKenzie here. Um, you know, I've been trying to be, I always tell you laying juice on women is bad idea. So it's, t I'm, I'm trying not to get too overconfident, but just, I don't see how Marina is going to be able to stay on her feet and, you know, then piece, uh, McKenzie up enough to win this fight because, you know, she knocked out, um, Rebus. but that was a huge punch and you know it took multiple it took two finishes to get her out of there and i just think that mckenzie even if she gets like stunned with a punch whatever like she could pull guard like you said she could pull she'll sit she'll sit her ass down you know i was trying to i was trying to help so many people in that in back in april when i remember when they're they're, they're telling me that you know six percent takedown accuracy <laughs> against Nina Ansaroff, and I'm like, guys. Nine, nine, but wait, bro. Not Nina Ansaroff has 91% takedown defense. But Nina Ansaroff was hopping on her leg when Tatiana Suarez is trying to take her. It's like, guys, uh, Mackenzie Dern is top five most dangerous women on the ground to ever walk the planet at any time, ever. Okay? As soon as she gets Marina down, she could submit her with anything. Arm attacks, leg attacks, you know, covering her mouth. Anything, whatever she wants to submit her with, she will. Okay, this wait. Quick, was... quick question: Is Carla Esparza in that top five as well? You think not dangerous? No, Carla Esparza is a you know not. She's not dangerous. You saw those leg locks that she was going for against Marina, just hilarious. Yeah, um, that, was, that was bad. bad <laughs> that was decisions. bad. You know, she like, she took a lot of brain damage for those uh, decisions there. But so. she uh she put put a uh, Yan Shan in in a body bag now. You know. She did put her in, but China, I, grappling has not made it to China yet. Just no, they haven't. Gotten, they haven't gotten word. Not gotten there yet. My so, fault for interrupting. Go back. No yeah. worries. No worries. But you know, Mackenzie Dern is just incredibly dangerous once she gets to the ground. Like she'll she'll just wrap you up in a bow, you know, right away. Like you saw as soon as she got Nina down, Nina thought about opening her guard. Boom! Cut through it. Boom! Mount. Boom! Armbar. It was crazy. And you know, people were thinking that she was just survive for fifteen minutes. It was that was. Plus one twenty on McKenzie. All time Crazy. great line. I didn't bet it. I didn't bet it. I was I, I wasn't listening. I was still picking Nunez, but plus three hundred on McKenzie during a win by submission. You'll never see that ever in your life again. <laughs> um so you know here again you know mackenzie dern is uh you know has judo experience as well. So I think if she gets this to the clinch, even though you know upper body takedowns, you know, McKen uh you know, uh, Marina can, you know, use her Muay Thai background a little bit. I do think that, you know, uh, Mackenzie has the ability to find some trip takedowns, some arm throws, you know, just whatever uh, there. And then on the feet, you know, Marina, she has loose, uh, very loose uh, shoulders. Like she throws some good right hands at different angles and stuff. But I, I don't think that Mackenzie, like, is at a big threat to, like, get knocked out immediately. And then I think the cardio of Mackenzie, you know, she's been putting in a lot more work. I don't think that she's, like, going to be panic and super anxious on the feet where she's not going to be able to find takedowns and get tired, you know, if, if she doesn't have really early success. But I think as soon as she locks her hands around, um, 
you know, Marina, she's going to be able to get her down, choke her out, you know, in some way, shape or form. She's I think she's pretty strong, too, for a girl. Um, and I don't think Marina's ever felt anyone like this girl. Like, it's very hard to have to find a female training partner like Mackenzie Dern. Like, they just don't make them. They're just not built like that anymore. Um, there are no girls that are that good on the ground, you know, as good on the ground as her. So I think that she'll be able to finish this. I have a little bit on her. I've got like, you know, a quarter unit, maybe a little bit more at like minus 142. Um, I might add if 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 the uh, line comes down under minus 150 and then I got a little bit of plus 150 on her by submission. Um, but I'm not trying to get too over my skis because, you know, it would be fuck really funny if if Mackenzie Dern is a girl that can't take down Marina Rodriguez. So that, that would be hilarious, but I don't think that's going to happen here. I think Mackenzie finds the finish within the first three rounds. Yeah, I forgot to mention, I do have uh, only track bet so far is on Dern. Uh, two units, minus 142, minus 142.5 technically. I bet one unit, minus 140, one unit, minus 145. And uh, I have one more. Po- oh, yeah, so Dern isn't as good of a wrestler as Rebos, Marcos, Asparza, or Calvio, but all four of those women were able to take uh, Rodriguez down and hold her down for like the entire round. Um, so Dern is better on top than all of them. So uh, I just feel like one or two top position opportunities is going to be enough uh, for Dern to wrap up the sub here and win the fight. And um, that's going to do it for this podcast. You know, 10 fights, just, uh, just over an hour. Definitely. I think our shortest podcast so far though. And uh, you know, hope you're all able to get some valuable information to make some money this weekend. And uh, hope you all enjoy the fights and win some bets. Any closing thoughts, Ozzy? No, man. Let's just uh, let's get to these pay-per-views already. <laughs> yep, yep. I agree. We have a couple more rough fight nights, but we'll be uh, at the end of the month. Got some amazing fights. So just uh, hold on to the, uh, hold on there, and we'll have some good fights uh, coming up here shortly. But thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, thanks to everyone who supports the podcast. Uh, drop a like, subscribe on YouTube, uh, follow on Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, and uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you all before next week.